Hey friends, Brian here. I uh, just wanted to pop on before the show starts to apologize for the technical issues we had during the show. We were trying to use voice chat using Discord, and we had some kind of bandwidth issue. The stream kept dropping, Discord restarted at one point, so it's just a little funky. So I just wanted to pop on and say, uh, I hope this doesn't get in the way of you enjoying the show, and I want to thank you for listening. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. God damn it. Didn't silence my phone. Ah! And joining me... Hello, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. In space, planets are blue, or something. I don't know. Or something. The roses are red, planets are blue. Here's a cool game. And it's all for you. Uh, joining yeah, us you <laughs> joining us from Brooklyn, New York, uh, we have a guest this week, Seth Dickinson, one of the designers and writers on the amazing uh, on the amazing what would you call this thing? It's it's more than a mod. It's it's to- total conversion sequel. It's kind of a sequel. Like this is what you might get when you think of Free Space Three. Is this? I, yeah. I would I would say it's a whole new game. Just happens to use an old engine. Well, I mean, but, it's an interesting beast. It's it's definitely not Free Space Three. We try to be clear about that, but it is kind of a it's a fan made Free Space game and. It draws on the whole legacy of the the free space community. We could not have made it alone, so we don't want to take all the credit for that. Well, you should take some. I mean, this thing is amazing. I mean, uh, so folks, I appreciate if you don't, that. Uh, oh, I mean, it's. I, folks, I just wanted to say one of the cool things about it is that uh, it started out as a one man project, and uh, he just. Darius was our founder and he just picked it up with the community tools and more people got involved as they liked what he was making. So it's really kind of a rags to riches story. Sorry, you, go ahead. No, you said you had three mission designers. How many people ultimately work on this thing? And like in total. That's a great question. Uh, off the top of my head, I'd say about 10 to 15. We have team members come and go as they have stuff to do. Our organization is really flat. We don't really have uh fixed roles. We just kind of do everything by hanging out in an IRC channel and people do what they're interested in. I would say the core team is probably in as much as we have a core, like six or seven people. Then we have some very good players who we use as beta and balance testers. Uh, so it's not a big studio or anything. Uh, just a bunch of us hanging out, having a good time. That's a pretty good sized team though. And it, it does show, uh, it does show in the quality of this thing. So, folks, if you're not aware, Blue Planet is a free, free space game. Let's let's yeah, it is a full, it's kind of a full blown game, really. It's got four chapters, I think, four major chapters, uh, and it takes place 18 years after the events at the end of Free Space Two. And uh, basically, the gist of it is you get back to Earth. Uh, if you don't know the story, at the end of Free Space 1, you get cut off from Earth. Spoiler, I know, 16, 17-year-old game, I know. But you get cut off from Earth. Um, and then eventually, uh, you have to deal with all that. And so the, the, 
this game starts off with you going back, which can't happen in the second game, but you kind of find the way possibly to, and you guys kind of ran with that, that whole uh, ancient precursor uh, gateway thing. Yeah, I, it's really interesting. Um, oh, is the channel still up? It's telling me it's offline. Oh, it uh, looks up to me. Oh, I don't know. Crap. We just dropped a ton of frames. Oh boy. <laughs> um, Sorry, guys. One second. Yeah, hang on. Gonna restart the thing. Oh my gosh. Okay, here we go. Sorry, sorry, people listening to the audio of this, the podcast. Yeah, sorry, no, folks. Sorry, folks, listening to uh, the... Uh, <laughs> sorry, folks, listening to the audio portion, if there might be a little bit of dead air. But yeah, we just lost the stream, so we're trying to get it back. Uh, it seems to be back, I think, now. Uh, looks on. Good. This is in the spirit of PC gaming. Yes, yes, lots of failures. Uh, okay, so I restarted the stream. So anyway, sorry, you were saying you. I think you stopped with it was interesting, and then the stream died. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about the free space story. Um, so my favorite thing about free space is there and the world, and it is a very, very unconventional setting for a space opera video game. And one of the things that's interesting is that Free Space 1 and Free Space 2 are almost totally impersonal. Your character is this anonymous pilot just caught up in greater events. Um, Free Space 2 in particular has exemplary writing. Uh, it's a very cold game, um, a game about being humbled by things larger than you. Uh, oh, and the end yeah. of Free Space 2 is uh, probably my favorite ending in all of gaming. Oh uh, my god, I know, it, right? Sorry. Free Space yeah. 2, oh. my, my big theory as to why it's so good is that Free Space 1 is the traditional sort of Independence Day story where everyone has to unite and come together to stop the aliens, and you take down the alien mothership. Uh, and Free Space 2 contains that story in that in the first two acts of the game, uh, you encounter the Sheevans again, you feel that you've prepared to fight them, uh, you enter their territory, you identify what you think is their mothership, and you destroy it. Uh, and then the last act of the game just rips that story out from under you and shows you that the Shivans are drastically more dangerous than you thought. And they exist sort of kind of outside your narrative frame of of how the alien invasion story works. They do things you don't really understand. Uh, and Blue Planet is really about trying to live up to that, trying to make the the mysteries of the setting pan out in a way that doesn't cheapen them. It's also about cool spaceships shooting each other, though. That's a big deal. Yeah, that game makes you feel so insignificant at times. So just such a tiny cog. And it's and that's one thing I think that separates it from, say, even TIE Fighter or especially Wing Commander. Like, in those games, you're much more of the hero, you know. And this one, you're kind of a hero, but, I mean, does it matter, ultimately? <laughs> I mean, the way things go in that game, folks, if you haven't played Free Space 2, you need to. It truly is one of the finest stories in video gaming 
period. I'm not talking just space games. I'm talking period. Just forget your Final Fantasies. Forget your whatever's your your Mass Effects. Doesn't matter. Free Space Two is such just tight storytelling. You know what I mean? It, it's just such well woven, efficient storytelling. And yeah, it's um, an exquisite. Oh. It's exquisite. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Exquisite is an excellent word for it. And uh, I, I don't know if we've brought this up at some point in the emails, but I'm also actually a novelist. Um, and I worked a bit on some games writing myself. I did a lot of the lore for Destiny. Uh, oh, and one okay. of the things that always inspires me about Free Space 2 is, I think it's one of the few games I've played. There are others, but one of the few that I think is a story that is good not just as a game, but it is a great piece of science fiction. And I think it could only be told effectively as a video game because you need to be the one who feels overwhelmed and dwarfed. Maybe we should talk a little about what's happening on the screen. Should, should we do that? Well, there's going to be a delay for you, but because um, you guys are, you're, you're, you're watching the stream, which is probably going to be about 20 or 30 seconds behind when we're talking. Um, okay. Yeah, but generally the scene that's playing. Generally, out, right now in the scene, we're gonna probably spoil at least the first couple missions. But when you get back to Earth, it's devastated. And I'll tell you what, the free space games do such a good job of filling the player with dread. Just, just oh my god, what is that? You know, just like Jesus. And I gotta say, Blue Planet does a fantastic job. Of giving the player just, oh no, oh no. <laughs> yeah. So actually, uh, if you don't mind, I'll I'll kind of pitch what's what's going Please. on at the beginning of Blue Planet. Uh oh, stream. Did you die again? No, we're cool. We're cool. Um, looks, looks okay here. So Free Space Two was a game with an effectively perfect script and voice cast. There was not a flaw in it. When you start out Blue Planet, everything's totally different. It's like a kind of an amateur theater production. We just got the voice actors we could. And uh, our script writing is not as tight as Free Space 2. So one thing we do very differently is we actually have names, characters, with relationships to each other. And, uh, I mean, as a piece of fan fiction, we were interested, like, what is it like to live in the Free Space universe? Um, how do these people feel? Uh, a big theme is, like, what is it like to live in a universe where you know the Sheevans are out there and everything is kind of implacably hostile? So at the end of Free Space 2, humanity has dealt this crushing defeat. And it's not just a a military strategic defeat, but it's psychological. Uh, We lose our our sense that we can face any challenge out there. And as a reaction in the Blue Planet story, um, we decide it's time to rebuild the jump node, which is like a wormhole, back to Earth and go back home. So the beginning of Blue Planet, you're on an expedition uh, going back to Earth to see what's up there. Hopefully regain contact with the economic and cultural heart of humanity. But when you get there, there's no one in the solar system and earth, as you can see here, is just totally devastated. So the, the inciting events, what gets the blue planet story going is what happened to earth. Um, and here you've met Bay, Corey and Taylor, Bay's our protagonist. Uh, and one thing you'll note going forward is that the first act of blue planet is very much like a, um, Emotionally, it's, it's kind of a family story. The characters are all very, like, open with their feelings. Uh, they're kind of naive. They really care about values and virtue and stuff. And uh, 
that's very different from Free Space 2, which is a really emotionally claustrophobic, closed-off game. So yeah, that's my pitch. What's up with Earth? we got to figure it out. And and it just and it works and and the stuff, but soon enough, the stuff you were into goes way beyond the the, the craziness of even Free Space Two. Like, I, if I remember correctly, there is another alien entity introduced throughout the story, at least one. Um, That's as far as I've gone, at least, and um, and it's just so complex this this I don't want to be cliched and use the word tapestry but it is you know what I mean it is it's a yeah, tapestry you probably let it sprawl a little too far um, by the time you reach the end of the, the stories we've released so far uh, there's so much material not just in the game but in our like forum ARG and stuff that I worry we've uh, maybe forgotten to put all the necessary information in the game but uh here at the beginning, it's pretty clean. Wait, is there? Are you saying there might be more coming? I mean, there's already so much. Like, how many missions are in the four? Would you say are in the four different chapters? Oh, it's a lot. Probably between thirty and forty right now. So uh, we are three acts out of five through the second Blue Planet chapter, uh, and we have the whole story outlined through the end of Blue Planet three, which ends the story. Oh, okay. And how far can the player get right now? You can get halfway through Blue Planet 2. Um, and it is a lot. It's as much as the original Free Space 2 campaign. Holy crap. And that's, and that's the, and for, again, folks, the most amazing thing about this, all this is free. So I, I, I keep harping on this. If you don't own Free Space 2, by the way, just a little side note, you're not just buying a game and one of the finest space combat games ever made. You're basically buying into a platform that gets you just oodles and oodles of content. Not just Blue Planet, what we're talking about here, but whole other mods, campaigns, individual missions. It's just, just amazing. You know, it's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, for those of you coming to Free Space from another um, game like Freelancer or Elite Dangerous, what sets Free Space apart is that there's no economy, there's no trading, there's no open world. All you do is play a series of linear scripted missions, but they are really, really good missions. The action is super intense. Uh, and the best thing about Free Space, uh, at least in its original Free Space 2 form, is that the capital ships are actually like worthy of their size and uh, grandeur. They're really dangerous, and there's nothing like seeing two Free Space 2 capital ships slug it out with their main beams. And as the games evolve, we've been able to add really sophisticated AI and just really fuck with the engine. So now we can have, like, ground attack missions and tower defense and a taco-buying simulator and visual novels where you do stuff outside your ship. It's really crazy. Yeah, I, I don't think I've gotten that far yet. <laughs> yeah. So what you're playing right now is from, I want to say, around 2007 or 2008. And uh, we've made a lot of progress since then. Our, our team's been together a long time. So so how did the project start? You said this, uh, I believe his name is Damien? Darius. Darius, I'm sorry. I'm terrible with names. Darius started the project. How did how did it flourish from there? Do you, do you know uh, much of the history of the project? Yeah. 
uh, Darius is just like the coolest, chillest guy ever. So uh, he released the first chapter of Blue Planet. It had no voice acting. Uh, the models were less pretty. We've gone back and revamped it uh, since. And we just loved it so much that uh, he said he was going to work on a sequel. He got some of us involved as testers. And we were just so excited about it. And he was so laid back. He invited us, you know, to help make stuff. And I don't know. Everyone was just really amped about Blue Planet and uh, started pitching in. It was a very organic growth. We never really hired anyone or anything like that. People just jumped in. And and it sounds like a lot of people have jumped in. I mean, that's that's a pretty big project for even a free project. Let alone, I mean, you hear all these indie games, you know, and they're like one person, two people, and you guys have around a dozen ish. You know, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, you have to remember also we benefit from the greater Free Space Two ecosystem. So a lot of our models are done for what's called the media VPs, which is just the free space to graphical upgrade project. And uh, we can pull models from other mods. Free space mods tend to be very open and sharing. Uh, we've been able to source music um, from other places. Mostly hope we don't get sued. Uh, there's a lot of cooperation. Um, so that's really helped us. And also we've been around a really long time. I would say actually the biggest thing that's, kept us going and being productive is that we have a really mature tool set. The mission editor in particular is just awesome. You can do so much stuff in Fred. It's the free space editor. Uh, crazy, unimaginable things. Um, and because we already have. Oh, crap. I just lost discord. That was my fault. Hang on. The studio's like, sorry. What's up? I lost you guys for a second. <laughs> Trying to get this Discord thing working. I was fiddling and I hit a button. It's like, oh, we're going to restart now. No! Ah, oh, shit. Oh, so, I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> that was my, that was my fault. That was my fault. Someone told me to turn something off in uh, Discord. So I did. And next thing I know, it's like, oh, we're going to restart. Oh, God. So I'm sorry. <laughs> that was my fault. <laughs> But we're back, right? You guys can hear me, right? Yep, we're all good. Oh, thank God. Okay, uh, could you repeat some of what you just said, please? I was talking about how cool our mission editor is and how important that is for development, because uh, in my opinion, the only thing you need to make a great free space mod is missions. And the first thing uh, any mod project needs is mission designers. Um, I've seen so many mods die because they have beautiful music and beautiful models but no missions and no progress on their missions. And actually, uh, when I went and worked at Bungie and other have checked out other AAA game developers, uh, their tools are not as good as the tools we have. Like we have, because our engine is old and very well understood, it's really easy for us to get new features from our coders. It's really easy for us to do stuff in the editor that in other games you would have to do an entire feature request for. So I feel really lucky we get to work with this. It's pretty neat. So wait, uh, side note, you you said you did some work on Destiny. You worked on, um, you said you did some writing, but you also worked on mission design? No, I was never, I, I myself was not a mission designer there, but some of my friends were. Okay, and uh, 
Getting back to what you were saying, I was just curious about that. Uh, well, that does lead to a question, though. What are some of the other – like, what do you – besides working on this, what do you do and what do some of the other team members do as their, like, day jobs, for example? Good question. Um, Fabian, who you've had on here before, goes by the E. He's a software guy in Germany. Uh, he's pretty cool. Darius, who is our supreme overlord, is a doctor in Australia. Uh, he, he still mods, even though he's been like on rotation and stuff. Guy just has a lot of energy. Uh, we have Axum. Axum is our Canadian mission designer. Uh, his full-time job, as far as I know, is that he's Canadian. Uh, I don't really actually know what he does, but he's pretty cool. We play World of Warships sometimes. Uh, who else we got? I'm going to miss someone. We have our cabal of, uh, testers. Their full-time job is finding bugs in our game. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. Uh, uh, you're going to make me open up the wiki page and list everyone. <laughs> Why not? Um, no, uh, so getting back to the editor, I thought it was very... Uh, is progressive a good word? I thought it was very progressive that both Free Space Games included full-blown mission editors. I mean, yeah, not, awesome. yeah, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of games include, include that much, uh, mission. Like they're like, yeah. Like what other, uh, like I can't think of anything besides maybe the free space games. Uh, it's a space like fighter sim or whatever that, uh, a lot rules of, of rules of engagement. Uh, a lot uh, of they're mission designers, but the awesome thing about Free Space Two Open is that we also have the source code, so we can make the designer more powerful. Um, Axum, who I mentioned, our Canadian, and uh, Spoon, who is a guy from the Netherlands, uh, had just done the most batshit insane things with the Free Space Engine, like entire levels where you just interact with other characters and choose dialogue and move around ships with a... It's like a visual novel, basically. You would never know you were playing Free Space. It's crazy. Um, Spoon has a standalone game called Wings of Dawn, which is this anime-inspired flight sim with some incredibly creative mission design. And Axum does this comedy series called Just Another Day, which is also kind of a laboratory for super-advanced Free Space design techniques. Uh, It's uh, this comedy series in which you have to fight a series of evil beta testers who uh, represent, <laughs> this is a secret, the annoying personalities that Axum has encountered on Hard Light Productions. Uh, and you have to defeat them by doing things like feeding them too many tacos or uh, stuff like that. Uh, and it has a lot of arcade-inspired mechanics, like you can power up your ship and go berserk. Um, and, and those are features we've never been able to pull off without access to the source code. And uh, he actually uses a lot of Lua scripting, which I don't know at all, but that's something we hacked into the engine too. Uh, by the way, this mission is called the Dragon Away. So what's going on here is uh, after trying to figure out why Earth was destroyed, you found a bunch of Sheevan ships dormant in the system, and now you're fighting with them. I bet he's going to die. Is he going to die? I, I die am going to die. Spoiler, <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm gonna, I took a few of them out. I felt good about that, but I did die. Yeah, because there's like 80 of them. <laughs> there's like four yeah, of them. there's, uh, there's four of us. 12 dragons. And the dragon is probably the most advanced Sheevan fighter. 
So this is another Blue Planet thing. Um, we're not super interested in designing missions like the original game, where you generally be attacked by gradually escalating waves of enemies. So they start out with a couple and get harder, and you'd fight through six or seven minutes of mission. We're interested in shorter, more intense engagements, um, because it never made sense to us that the enemy would kind of throw their ships in wing by wing. Uh, we're interested in situations like what happens if you get jumped by an enemy squadron. Um, we want everyone to be a little smarter. So yeah, our first combat mission is you get jumped by 12 of the most advanced enemy fighter. <laughs> it's a bit of a difficulty spike. Yeah, and you were right. Yeah, Folks, if you play this for the first time, the lowest difficulty level, what's it called again? First run. Yeah, the lowest difficulty level is called first run, and that's kind of a big suggestion slash hint, apparently. I put it on normal, because I was like, I've played Free Space 2 before, like 12 times. I'll be fine. Nope. <laughs> I died pretty fast. Pretty, pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, and you also have to consider, <laughs> this is kind of, uh, wow, it went back to the first mission. Oh, I happen? just I just played it for like half an hour and made a video, and the, okay. the video the video is on loop. Oh, cool! Um, I'm sad we didn't get to see any of the crazier stuff that happens later. Um, well, I also didn't but, want to spoil. I also didn't want to spoil too much. That's you know? fair. Oh, look at that shot! That uh, destroyer on the right, the ship in the bottom right. Yeah, oh, and I know there's a delay. The big ship is called the Erebus, and uh, yeah. another Canadian yeah. modeled it, Asar. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, so we we're talking about difficulty, and actually one of the big challenges of designing for Blue Planet is we want to be a little welcoming to people who are new and have at least just played the Free Space 2 campaign, but we also need to create a challenge for people who have been playing the game for 17 years. And, uh, yeah, that can be tricky. Yeah, it's like it's like trying to write a movie for an established series that people are going to come in already knowing, but you also got to write for, uh, for, uh, people who've never seen any of this before, you know, for sure. Uh, is the stream. Okay. looks like it might've dropped again. Uh, no, it's, it's moving and, um, uh, dropping some frames. I got to figure out why I'm dropping frames. Um, I don't want to fiddle with, uh, discord again and make it crash. But uh, it it looks. I mean, besides dropping some frames, it, it's moving on my end. So maybe it's a restream thing. Maybe I have to go back to just YouTube. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'll just switch over to YouTube at some point. Um. But, um, I totally lost my train of thought now. We're talking about difficulty. Yeah, yeah. This game is not. Easy. I mean, I, I, I think I might have played it when I did my little um, my little playthrough a little while back. I might have played it on the default difficulty, which is the second notch. But this time I'm like, nah, I'll just go normal. Yeah, that didn't really work out. <laughs> Plus, playing oh, the stream the, is fine on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it on Restream.io, and it looks like it's moving fine. I mean, I'm dropping some frames, but I don't know. Maybe it's Twitch. You know, I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, so about the difficulty. Um, Blue Planet is meant to be kind of a, a graduate school course in free space. So the hope <laughs> is you play the free space two campaign, 
By the way, for any of you out there who want to pick up FreeSpace 2 and install FreeSpace Open, it's really easy to do now. You just run the FreeSpace Open installer. It installs everything for you. If you hit any problems, just post on the forums. We'll help you out. And if you install Blue Planet, we included a remastered version of the FreeSpace 2 campaign that fixed some features and disabled dialogue that Volition never finished. So I would say the best way to play FreeSpace 2 is with Blue Planet installed. Yeah, I saw that in there. So... But it uses all the original ships and weapons and stuff, or did you rebalance a bunch of that, or what? We uh, tweaked the balance to make the useless shit less useless. Swearing. <laughs> uh, and uh, one of the things I'm most proud of is we turned on some systems that they intended, but uh, never finished. Um, like, there are these weapons you're given in a lot of missions uh, called tag missiles, target acquisition and guidance. And they tell you that if you hit enemy ships with the tag missiles... Uh, nearby friendly warships will concentrate their fire on them and take them out really quick. That doesn't happen at all. But we made it work. It's fucking awesome. And as a bonus, in the mission where, uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but the mission High Noon, where one of your really big ships goes up against one of their really big ships, we give you tag missiles, and you can spot for the main gun armaments of the Colossus. So instead of just kind of watching the big fight, you can actually call in beam strikes. Oh, that's cool. So do you actually tag subsystems on the ship? Like, you know, knock that No, out? no. Uh, uh, I probably... I'm not sure the engine can detect when the subsystem is tagged. That's a cool idea. Uh, but mostly you're just... Uh, you're calling in salvos when, when possible. Oh, okay. Sorry, the, yeah. stream, the stream is kind of kerfluffled, so I'm just t- telling people I don't know why. Um... So so explain to me where the story came from for this thing. Like did Good you guys gosh. like sit around a virtual kitchen table and and decide you know this this is where we're going to start this and where we're going to take it or or what went down? Pretty much. Uh, so the original story is all Darius's and uh I'm going to spoil a little of the Blue Planet story here. Um I hope you guys don't mind. I don't think it'll hurt your enjoyment. So what we're watching right now is Blue Planet Age of Aquarius, the first uh, of three Blue Planet games. Uh, the second is War in Heaven, and we haven't revealed the third one. Age of Aquarius, the story was all Darius's work. And the story is basically, you go back to Earth, Earth is ruined, you try to find out why, and you're quickly drawn into this baffling multidimensional adventure that is very, very unlike uh, the Free Space 2 campaign, and that turns some people off. Um, Free Space 2 is a cold story uh, about warfare. Blue Planet is a lot more of an adventure. It's a little swashbuckling at first. First chapter is swashbuckling. Um, and uh, you meet some aliens who initially seem like friendly counterparts to the Sheevans. Uh, but even when Darius was the only one working on it, if you actually pay attention to the story, there's some sinister undertones to what's going on. Um, with how the main character behaves and these friendly aliens. So we knew from the start the cosmology was more complex than, like, humans, Vesudans, good aliens, and bad aliens. Uh, And after Age of Aquarius, when we were working on War in Heaven, when the team had grown from Darius to many of us, we decided we were just going to outline the whole universe from billions of years ago to the end of Blue Planet 3, um... And basically a mission by mission level. And we've just been telling that story ever since. Uh, and yeah, it basically came out of all of us talking in IRC and bouncing ideas off each other, making a lot of forum posts. Uh, we got really into the story. It was really fun. 
And uh, I've actually um, taken a couple sections of the War in Heaven story, that's the second chapter, and sold them uh, as short stories to a couple of really good science fiction and fantasy magazines. Uh, oh, that's cool. They're called Morrigan and the Sun Glare and Morrigan and Shadow. Um, we kind of had to take the copyrighted stuff out, but uh, stand on their own pretty well. So yeah, I would say that's how the story came about. The big thing we really want to sell, <laughs> and this will sound a little egotistical, but we really want this to be smart science fiction and not do any of the stuff you expect. So the good guy aliens, the Vishnans, are not just benevolent space nice people. Uh, they're not like the Vorlons, even from Babylon 5. Uh, we looked a lot at, like, information theory, and uh, I don't know if you know Max Tegmark. He's a cosmologist who works on multiverses. Um, there's a concept, I don't know the German words, but it means basically thinking space that plays a lot into the deeper lore of Blue Planet. The other thing is we really, really wanted to make it into good military science fiction, so the tactics and uh, technology involved are much more detailed than in Free Space 2, especially in War in the Heaven. The whole story is uh, this very detailed, rigorously thought out war between two human forces with neither side clearly the good guys. Uh, it was really important to us that you could have moral sympathy with both sides and really cool to see how our fan base is divided between the two. How divided are they? Almost perfectly. Um, I don't want to spoil too much about the second installment, but uh, well, do you- it involves... A- do you play a little bit as one side and a little bit as the other? So you kind of get to see it from their perspectives or what? No, it's entirely one side. Um, but you can hear the things we did. We tried to make uh, one of the big themes in the second chapter of War in Heaven is, uh, War in Heaven. is the psychological cost of killing. So we tried to humanize the uh, pilots you're shooting down. First by making many fewer of them appear in the mission and making them much smarter, so it seemed like they cared about their own lives. But also you can hear them sort of talking to each other and trying to help each other out. Uh, so you kind of get a sense that these people are their own characters and their own stories and friends with each other and they're people who care about them. And then you kill them. And hopefully you feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah they're so- not just Alpha 1 and Alpha 2 this time, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, the one thing, definitely the dialogue in here is a lot more pro than... Okay, so the the other grand uh, free space mod is the Wing Commander thing, uh, with the name of which escapes me. But it's... Uh, Something Saga? What the? Oh, yeah, Wing Commander Saga. That, that Wing was Commander it. Saga. Um, so uh, I, the, the dialogue in that, um, I do not fault them for what it is, because it is actually true to the source, uh, which just reminded me, like, Wing Commander 3, especially, like, how cringe that was. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it's just like, oh, maniac, you know, it's, oh, God. So, um, you know, it's like they they fly fly around and tell dick jokes, you know, and it's it's just like, okay, um, you guys nailed it. That's great. Uh, but still, it is cringy. However, the dialogue in this is a different animal. So this is this is more along the lines of like a Battlestar Galactica kind of thing. You know, well, it's like they take it seriously and it's and it's not, you know. There's some lightheartedness. You know, the the kind of like uh, punch in the arm stuff that goes on between soldiers who are staring down death every day, right? 
there's there's a particular humor that comes about from that um and and i kind of see some of that here so so it's like okay you know as a writer i think you get it yeah and i mean i don't want to toot our own horn too much age of aquarius which you're watching now we wrote darius wrote I think he was literally a teenager. This is 10-year-old writing from our perspective. So uh, there are definitely some lines in Age of Aquarius that are kind of gee whiz, like uh, adventure not super, uh, you know, polished, dark writing. Uh, but we, we keep it that way, partly because we don't want to redo the voice acting, but also because Age of Aquarius is just supposed to be a lighter uh, story. It's basically a family story, uh, about a group of people who are scattered from each other and have to come back together and work together to survive. And I'm okay with the dialogue being uh, less, I don't know. It's very different from the Free Space 2 dialogue, which is extremely clipped and euphemistic and uh, very, very mature, exquisite writing. Uh, Blue Planet, we get a little sloppier and more emotional. Uh, But I think as you go into War in Heaven, you'll see the tone change a lot. Uh, War in Heaven is more of a, fittingly, a a war movie. and it's a little more brutal and harsh on the characters. Like uh, there are scenes like characters dying of radiation sickness and uh, stuff like that. The I guess gritty is the word. Uh, but I'm glad you like the writing. It's cool. And, and Wing Commander Saga, you know, is a huge effort. I'm not in the business of talking shit about anyone's giant mod. But I think the biggest problem it had was that the dialogue sequences were unskippable. So every time you played the mission, you had to listen to it again, and uh, that just. But that's also work. that's also true to form, though, because the original <laughs> Wing Commander was yeah. in your face oh. with the the cringe. So one notable thing about Blue Planet is we were not actually the first. Jackson figured it out, but I think the first in practice to add checkpoints to free space missions. Free space never had any mid mission save capability but we were able to hack it in because we didn't want players to have to replay long dialogue sequences and stuff like that. Yeah. And let me tell you, it's, it's appreciated. That That's one thing that annoys me about space combat games with longer missions. Like I'll be out in independence war two doing a thing. Oh, I died. God damn it. <laughs> Why can't I just save anywhere? <laughs> well, and that's the, that's the thing too, though, is like the, the mission, if you have a multi-part mission, right, it, it can, I like that it can be broken up and there will be like a, a waypoint where you, you know, you, you restart from, but it's not like we're going to go back to the briefing room and sit down and look at the map and have the narrator, you know, do whatever. It's like, no, no, this continues, right. Um, unbroken, but you still have an opportunity to not be completely screwed if you buy the farm. Yeah. So speaking of, if you guys listening want to check out some crazier Blue Planet missions, uh, you can just Google YouTube Blue Planet and then type in Forced Entry, um, Delenda Est, as in Carthago Delenda Est, uh, Her Finest Hour. Those are some really big missions where you do really ambitious stuff. This is just kind of the prelude to Blue Planet. We're able to throw, you know, a dozen capital ships on the screen and squadrons of fighters and uh, actually put you in command of that, which is pretty neat. There's even a mission later on that is set entirely inside your own head. Uh, you Wait, can go insane if you're not careful. Yeah, it's it's like a... Um, it's a little complicated in the plot, but basically you've been drugged up and inserted into this... Uh, Cyberspace is the wrong term. It's kind of this dreamscape um, where 
concepts are made real and you need to penetrate it to obtain some information. But uh, these crazy, scary things happen along the way and you have to try not to go insane. It's a bit like Amnesia, The Dark Descent, if you played that. Let's get back to, because uh, I kind of took us on a tangent while we were talking about it. Let's get back to the mission editing tools that you guys to make use to make this. Now, like, I know that um, you got the v- media VPs and stuff, but I don't fully get what's been done to Fred 2, which is the Free Space 2 mission editor, to make it capable. Like, has it always been capable of doing this stuff? Or did the having the source code make it more capable of making even these larger uh, scale missions? So part of it is that we've made the engine better. It can render things faster. We can put more ships on screen. Um, and part of it is that, yeah, we had the source code to Fred 2 as well as the rest of the stuff. And we were able to improve it. The biggest thing, so to, to step back a moment, the Free Space 2 source code project is the guys who work on the engine. And they work closely with the Free Space 2 media VPs, or the Free Space Upgrade project, which makes the game look prettier. Um, and then around those two, there are groups of mod teams, like Blue Planet were one of them, who work with those two groups uh, to make everything cooler. So let's say I want to do something in the mission editor, I can't. Uh, a recent example was, to be really simple, I want to make the um, entering subspace message flash on the screen whenever I want. I would go to a coder and say, hey, I want you to alter Fred in the engine so I can tell it to do this thing when I command it to. And they would first add that capability to the engine and then add something called a sexp, a uh, scripting expression, I think, to Fred. And Fred basically has its own very simple scripting language using these sexps uh, that lets you chain them together to do various things. So I could say, like, when 10 seconds have passed in the mission and a ship is about to explode, then... Uh, flash the subspace gauge and uh, turn all the players' guns into super beams. I don't know why I do that, but that's just a random example of things I could do. Uh, and I do all those by selecting um, sexp's scripting expressions in the events editor. So a lot of the story of how Free Space got better is just people adding more of these expressions to Fred, so you could control more things about the game. We got uh, the Axum yelling in the chat room. It's apparently called a symbolic expression. <laughs> okay. Oh, he's yelling because he's excited. <laughs> yeah, Axum is probably the greatest fretter in the world. So, uh, oh, really? It makes sense we have, that he's excited about. That. We have some royalty in our chat room. Welcome, the Axum. Thank Although, you. Yeah, so we, is, we. I was uh, just going to say. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, we had Volition on one time. Oh my god! Them about. I gotta say, and that was one of we, my favorite we need podcasts. To, we need to get Volition back on and have you guys on and just let you guys hug it out. That would yeah, be that'd be great. I, they still love Free Space, as far as I know. Oh, yeah, God. well, we we talked to them at length about Fred, and uh, just, yeah, they're they really proud to love of Fred. Fred. They're really proud of yeah. Fred. Uh, you wouldn't believe, like, I got uh, I for, oh God, I forget his name now, but I got one of the main guys. Uh, who worked on Free Space 2. He got the former head of Volition and a bunch of other guys. And he was like, dude, you have no idea how many people here want to still want to talk about Free Space 2. So we definitely want to have them back at some point. Um, he, even brought a guy, he even brought a guy like he was retired and he came in just yeah. to sit at the table and uh, talk coolest? with us about. Coolest? Mike oh, yeah. Coolest? Yeah. He, we well, after him. A, a bunch of them are working on uh, Overload now. 
the the uh, Descent clone since Descent was kind of taken. So they're working on a clone. Oh my of their, god, Overload! They're working, Overload they're working on a clone. So... Of, it's so good, but they're working on a clone oh my of their god, own it's game, so good. which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> I mean, Descent Descent Underground is okay. Uh, Sub level zero is awesome. Uh, there's that. X Z Y whatever that's pretty okay yeah yeah that's that's pretty cool it, it's uh it's interesting because it's Newtonian right it's it's full drift like if you're not firing the engines you just drift backwards or whatever um so that's interesting because nobody'd done that before but my God overload <laughs> it's like I just played the demo of that thing and it was just like this is the best damn thing ever. And it's, it's like I can't wait until that comes out. If they if they brought that out and they were like, "This is sixty bucks," I'd be like, "Here, take my money, do it." <laughs> well, so the, uh, the free space rights are actually up for sale right now. And yeah, yeah we, I was going to ask about, about that. that. We're a little nervous about that, actually. There's be, because uh, we are friends with the devil, and he he. Come <laughs> yeah. on. So, so I mean, I think the odds are slim that Deep Silver Volition's publisher will end up with them. I'm hoping maybe it could happen. I mean, uh, the homeworld rights eventually so you, got back. So wait, you're not rooting for Derek Smart? Uh, no comments. Okay, because that's what I was talking about. We're friends with the devil because Derek hangs out with us, and uh, and I'm and I'm and I'm just like Derek, don't do it. Just don't. I'm honestly so one I, thing I wonder a lot. Good. Uh, it's just. Um, but, For a while, I thought, you know, and, even if they did get the free space rights, they would have to make a console game. Uh, but lately, uh, there's been, you know, Obsidian managed to do a PC-only RPG and make a ton of money on Kickstarter. Maybe Volition true. could pull it off. I don't know. And you know, Yeah, the thing, I, I asked oh. Derek directly, by the way, if he did get free space, would he dick with the mod scene at all? And he's like, oh, hell no. You know, like, I don't, I don't want to, like, that alienate everybody. That would be the stupidest everybody. thing any publisher right. could do. I think he should get it and then and then make a, a Star Citizen mod in in free space, <laughs> and then. So a bit of trivia, actually, the first time you could play space combat with Star Citizen ships was in Free Space Open. Uh, one of our members, Wait, our French guy, Matt the Geek, uh, he got sick of waiting for the Star Citizen dogfight module to release, so he just took the Star Citizen assets, put them in Free Space Open, and made his own dogfight module. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I didn't know that. And you That's know what? Amazing. It, was better th- it was better than Star Citizen is today. Oh. And- oh. But uh, talking about the rights, I kind of hope either Deep Silver gets them or uh, THQ Nordic. Because I don't know. Oh, yeah. Nordic does good things. Yeah. Nordic does very good things. The things, the stuff they did with uh, Nexus, the Jupiter incident. They yeah, they have they that, have my they have my faith in my money. So if anyone's going to get it, it be those two, uh, in my personal so opinion. The the make or break for me is uh, they got to have Jason Scott, who I believe was the lead writer on Free Space Two. I've collaborated with him a bit, and uh, the thing I care about most in Free Space, I love the gameplay, but uh, the Free Space Two script is just so good. Oh, yeah. Free Space One, honestly, I don't think the writing is very strong. Uh, it has wonderful ambience, but the it's nowhere bad. near as good. Like I've only played Free Descent, Free Space through once, maybe twice, once and a half. You know, maybe. But what, uh, whatever happens to Free Space, it's got to involve Jason. Like, I think he was one of the people on our podcast. I'd have to I'd have to go back. He probably and look. was. But um, yeah, they're they're really busy making dildo bats right now, though, with the. Uh, <laughs> 
Oh God! Hey, you know the what? whole Saints Row S- thing. You know what? Say what you want about those games. One, they're fun as hell. One, uh, and two, they made a shit ton of money. Yeah, so they made a heck right. ton of money. So good on them. You know, I mean, we'll never see. We might never see Free Space Three. Um, but you know what? Yeah. More power to them. They're they're making they're making good stuff. So can't really so actually, uh, space. Speaking of good stuff in the mission editor. One thing that makes me sad is we don't get to see any capship fighting on here. So I actually wanted to talk up, again, for any of you on the fence about trying out this game. Uh, this game is probably has the single best capital ship fights of any game I've ever played. Uh, is that- even games where you fly capital oh, ships. Yeah, I was going to say, because oh, I played a mission where you're flying the cap ship. And oh, it's right. Like, oh. I did that. Uh, yeah, so can you do you have any control other than steering it or what? Yes. Because I... It, uh, Okay, because I couldn't find what I was supposed to do other than just steer the thing. So what I was talking about was capital ship fights kind of between NPCs that you watch and you fly between. But I did, yeah, we did actually ship a mission or two where you can fly a capital ship. Uh, And the big idea there is you're basically the captain, not the gunnery officer. So the guns will engage automatically, but you can set uh, their priorities using the, there's a system in the lower left of the screen. You can kind of tell them, prioritize this target. And the big stuff is you have control over your ship's power distribution. Uh, You can call for damage control, uh, jamming, abilities like that, which are in the top center of the screen. So the key to winning is using those abilities wisely. And we actually had another mission in the works we haven't been able to ship yet, where you fly uh, the Atreus, which is the huge ship currently on screen. uh, And it has a heat management system and electronic warfare and all this cool shit. Selectable loadouts for the missile launchers. So, uh, yeah, one one big feature we're working on now, because we care so much about simulating the battles between the warships, even if the player is not directly controlling them, we really want these to feel like huge ships full of smart people, thousands of smart people that want to stay alive. Um, so uh, in War in Heaven, you get these big duels between beam-armed warships and warships that spew railguns and torpedoes. And a big thing we're working on for the next act is capship-launched countermeasures, like uh, sprays of flares that will decoy torpedoes away from the warship. And uh, that's pretty cool. Super excited about that. I really should name drop Fury here, who was a developer at Blue Planet, who, uh, working with Sushi, one of the coders, really upgraded the AI. We would not have been able to make War in Heaven without that AI, because if we couldn't make a couple fighters smart and challenging enough to dogfight against, we would have had to add more fighters, and that would have really ruined the theme of the campaign. Ah. Well, that's, that's the thing that I've never really liked about those games is where, you know, it's, it's like you're Rambo against a bunch of brain dead things that, you know, it's, it's always turns out to be like, okay, I got three wingmen, but they're really just babysitters for targets. You know, it's like, Oh, go cover that thing. Cause I can't be two places at once or whatever, but really it's me doing all the work. And uh, to actually have AI in there that can hold its own is pretty unique in the entire genre. Yeah. Hey, that reminds me of a great story. Uh, so if you look in the chat up there, you can see Hera Tatori, who is our Skybox artist. He's from Finland, I'm pretty sure. And we had this awful bug back when we were releasing the director's cut of the first Blue Planet. Hera kept reporting that uh, his wingmen they were supposed to go on a long journey towards a distant waypoint where they'll talk to each other. But Hera was like, hey, I've been flying towards this waypoint for 30 minutes, and my wingmen haven't gotten there. And they were like, what? We all panicked. So we thought there was this huge AI bug. Uh, 
because the mission is not supposed to go for half an hour. That's terrible. They're supposed to fly there for like three minutes. And we like spent the night trying to figure out what was going on with the AI. And finally, Haram mentioned that he'd been bored <laughs> while he was flying along. So he would occasionally take pot shots near his wingmen. And uh, the wingmen would try to dodge away from his guns because they were freaked out. And eventually what we realized was happening was every time the wingman dodged, it would reset their uh, approach waypoint goal, and they would go back to the beginning of the waypoint path and start over. So they'd just been running this three-minute path over and over again because Hera kept shooting at them and freaking them out. So uh, we actually had to turn the player's guns off for that section (laughs) so they wouldn't spook the AI. (laughs) Well, he's got a lot of endurance as a troll, then. For 30 minutes, he kept taking shots at him without a three-minute break. (laughs) <laughs> uh, he gets like achievement unlocked troll we have a request from the chat room to talk about the bombers of doom oh you know the bombers what, of doom do you know what Hetty uh, is talking about there oh and speaking of I uh, do one, I before that sorry before that Frick Geek said that mission where you could take a cap ship he also said you could take a fighter and just say, screw the cap ship if you want, which yes. is really neat. That's I mean, really just, nifty. Actually, it, it was a total accident. I forgot to lock the player up from being able to use a fighter. So you fly the fighter, but you're still attacked by like enemy warships, and you still have the capital ship's special abilities. So <laughs> like uh, your tiny fighter, you can launch beam decoys and stuff. <laughs> it's really silly. <laughs> oh, we lost the stream again. Darn it. Yeah, I could think of some yeah. some kind of cool things. Like maybe maybe you did in there, but um, a, a big part of naval warfare is the whole detection thing, right? Like who who sees who first, that gets to shoot first, and and then that's that, right? Because you know one one good sized missile is going to take somebody out. Whereas these ships, they get kind of close and they they like bang away at each other with these beams and stuff and. Um, but I, I think it's kind of neat that there are actually missile volleys that are constantly going on though. It's, uh, I don't know if they're, if they're just shooting them down or, or it's, uh, it just takes a sustained amount of weapon fire to to actually crack one of these things or, or, you know, exactly what's going on as far as the scale of your weapon damage versus the capital ships. But, yeah, but the, uh, the thing that I was kind of wondering about is like if you had missions uh like, like at the very beginning of the thing it's not like oh my gosh we're being attacked all fighters launch and boom you're right in the action right it's it actually it actually takes uh a mission to set up the story where it's it's more like let's just go for a check ride and you know and then we're going to jump through the gate and then okay we jump through the gate and now we're going to fly around and do some stuff so um so i i like that tone of it um, because you know military stuff is is like long stretches of routine and then a few seconds of terror, right? So, Definitely. so I, as far as like escort missions and things like that go, where people generally don't really dig escort missions because they're pain in the ass. Because it's like you're doing your best, but uh, in missions where they put just an overwhelming number of AI in there to make it challenging because the AI is dumb. And then you're you're just trying to to deal with like oh well there's a hundred guys attacking this this uh, like freighter that I'm supposed to be guarding like what am I supposed to do? And uh, Tie Fighter had it 
well, TIE Fighter and Wing Commander kind of tie, because Wing Commander had those skip missiles that would turn invisible and teleport, and you had to shoot them down. And TIE Fighter just had oodles and oodles of space bombs that you had to hunt down and kill, which was ridiculous. Um, but uh, in, in this, though, I, I was thinking like an escort mission where like you take an AWACS out, right? Where it's just like it's the censorship. It's the eyes of the fleet. And you have to be the guard for that because, of course, it's a prime target for the enemy to want to kill. That would be so, fun, yeah. Actually, uh, one of the big goals in Blue Planet is that your warships are capable of limited self-escort. Their, their anti-fighter weapons are much better than in Free Space 2. So they can take out a good chunk of incoming fighters and bombers on their own. Actually, in Mission 10 of uh, Blue Planet 1, which is where the campaign really kicks into high gear, you can play that entire mission um, just giving orders to the other fighters. Uh, because working with the warships, they can handle the enemy. You might need to fire an occasional trebuchet missile to take out a beam turret, but uh, mm. it's it kind of plays the the way you're thinking of. And it's just back. Because that's the thing in in free space. What struck me, even in the very first free space, was that that first time that you're there's two cap ships, they're duking it out, and you're in the middle, and you just get clipped by a beam, and you're just instant dead. You know, yeah. and, and it's like, oh, wait, no, this is serious, right? You know, it's like they're they're operating at a whole different scale than I am. So that that's uh, that's pretty amazing, right? And especially with the ships that you have, because they're so much more detailed than than the just you know, the the other ships just look like a flying Empire State Building, and now you know these things are are actually pretty detailed ships. Um, so whenever you're whenever you're flying around them and, and it's kind of like, well, you got to get close to them so that they can't hit you with the flak. Um, and you know, don't be out in the middle or the beam's going to whack you and stuff like that. But they're more concerned about killing each other than you. You're just like a target of opportunity kind of thing. And it, it's, um, I always kind of like that, that aspect of it, of like, okay, you go in there and you're softening it up and trying to keep it from killing your cap ship by just reducing the weapons that it has and stuff. But the cap ship's actually going to deliver the kill blow. So it's not like, you know, we send one fighter out there to kill the Death Star and, and you just do it, right? Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's a great point. It's one of the things I love the most about Free Space 2. It's something we tried to play up in Blue Planet. Because by, in so many games, when I played Starlancer or Freelancer, you know, it had these capital ships, but... Uh, you could basically solo them. I just played Tacky on the French, which is a game I love. But it is oh, yeah. trivial to take out the largest warships in that game with a single fighter. And I I hate that. So in Blue <laughs> Planet, the testers get mad at me sometimes. I'm always like trying to make the warships harder to kill. Because I, I feel like it should really take a pretty dedicated strike to hurt one of even a cruiser. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me that they would maintain these assets if they were so easy to kill with a single wing of fighters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, when, when people are like, well, why would you even have starfighters when you have these giant ships and stuff? And it's like, well, starfighters are, are basically a remote weapon delivery platform, and then the fighters are the thing that defends the bomber from the other fighters that are trying to take it down, because fighters, for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're more nimble than cap ship guns. Right, so so you need fighters to stop bombers, and you need fighters to stop fighters that are trying to stop your bombers. So it it all kind of works out, you know. Um, One of the tactical rationales in free space is the existence of subspace drives. Uh, so fighters are valuable in the real world because Earth has horizons, um, 
and the fighter can carry a payload over the horizon and strike at targets far away. It can move much more rapidly than surface ships. Uh, and free space kind of has something analogous going on where uh, a main warship, like a destroyer, once it's committed to a battle, uh, it has to recharge its drives, and uh, other warships could drop on it like an EVE Online and take it out. But if you send out your fighters, they're much more strategically agile as well as physical. Um, you could send in a bomber strike against an enemy destroyer and hold your warship in reserve. Um, right. And that makes fighters really valuable for projecting force. So is that sort of a tactic that's employed is jump the fighters in, the fighters engage, and, and it's like, okay, yeah, now's time to bring in the heavy hitter. You know, So we jump in the hammer and, and hit them with the destroyer once, they're, once they've got their, uh, you know, their systems dented a little bit. Exactly. Uh, one of the big missions in War in Heaven, Delenda-Est, is an operation that starts out with you just a single squadron of fighters attacking an entire enemy battle group. And you create an opening and a couple of friendly warships are deployed and you open the gap wider and uh, they decide when to drop the whole hammer. And then there's another mission, actually, in Act 3, Her Finest Hour, which I really love, which is basically um, an RTS play from the cockpit. You just enter a battle and you decide which targets to take out. And when you're ready, you start calling in strike packages from a friendly destroyer, and you decide what targets to send them at. And the goal overall is to take out a big enemy warship, and you, you get to decide the whole plan of attack. It's pretty neat. I'm very proud of it. Oh, cool. Sorry, I've been trying to figure out what the hell's going on with the stream. That's why I haven't been talking much. I apologize. Um, but, uh... Yeah. Uh, so wait, you said about two and a half um, chapters of this are done and playable, right? Two and a half. I think yeah, I mean, I don't want to undersell it. Like we. No, I know that's a lot of content. Two but full I'm saying, campaigns. Yeah. Two full campaigns. Yeah. But you said you had at least a cu- one or two more planned out. Yeah. So uh, there's another two acts of War in Heaven wrapping up the War in Heaven story. Um, and then there's Blue Planet 3, which wraps up the overall arc. I mean, it's an open question whether we'll actually get to finish it. Um, we all have real lives. We're all older, not in college anymore. But <laughs> no matter what happens, we're going to tell the story somehow, even if it's not in a free space campaign. Maybe we'll just put up a forum post outlining what happens. We don't want to leave people hanging. And we have actually managed to pay off a lot of the big mysteries, or fans have figured out from the clues involved kind of what's going on. Uh, which I think is super cool. I'm, I really hate it. I hated this work. Uh, I shouldn't say that, but uh, I hated like Battlestar Galactica when they just made it up all as they went. Yes. Oh my really god! Oh my god! Yeah, it, oh my god. it had it had I'm the, the stench so of it had the stench of J.J. Abrams on it so I'm, thick, right? I'm like s- I was watching Lost, and at some point in Lost, you figured out like they're just making this shit up every week. They don't even know, and and it was like it's like okay, well they're watching the internet reaction. And and it's like you know what what are they doing here? Well, the fans want this. All right, let's do that. You know, and it was just like oh my god. So yeah, with Battlestar Galactica, as soon as it it started with that whole like oh they have a plan, and I'm like they don't have a plan. They're making they it don't up. Got, they don't got shit. They, they, and then they, and then it was just like the money keeps coming. We got to keep figuring out how to stretch this shit out. If, man. if I if if I can go on a tangent, the other problem Battlestar Galactica had was that. They started from a really high bar. I mean, 33, their first actual episode after the miniseries, one of the finest pieces 
of televised science fiction you will find in any series. It's kind of all downhill from there. You know? Rather than build up, they kind of fell down. Do you know what I mean? Am I crazy? Yeah. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I, well, it's I, like it, it turned so into a courtroom drama. Oh, you know, God. Oh. And then, the only and good then thing the whole... about that, the only good thing about that was Mark Shepard. That was the only good thing about that whole, whole bullshit. Oh, well, the, the one thing that I couldn't stand was the just dumb shit that would happen where it was like, okay, you can't tell a Cylon from a human. They're like a replicant, right? Like they, they're physically indistinguishable from a human. We're trying to come up with some kind of a, of a like blood test to tell, right? So physiologically they are human. Okay. So why can Grace Park take a, a headphone jack and shove it in her arm? And then she's like plugged into the computer. What? So, and when that happened, I was just like, that's it, I'm out, I'm done. I mean, my point leading into this was just that we wanted to have the mythology outlined, so the mysteries we set up would mean something. Um, you know, what, I, what I'd what i love to see, right, can you get the assets out of this and port them over into Homeworld, or, um, yeah, into <laughs> Homeworld 2? Because if you just do, like, the final thing is, is a Homeworld campaign where, you know, yeah, it's giant fleets of ships and you're just controlling fleets on a map and not even in the fighter at that point. And of course all the free space fans would kill you, but um, that would there be a, actually a, a neat a, way to go. No, what you do is you expand it across multiple, you, you tell the story across multiple games. You get to a certain point and they say to play this, you need Homeworld, And then you get to a certain point in Homeworld to play this. You need sins of a solar empire rebellion to go even yeah, and then, bigger. <laughs> And then, and then you need uh, Unreal Tournament because then we're going to do the first person thing. Uh, no, at that point you're Star Citizen. I'll stop. Now. <laughs> so there is actually a Homeworld mod called Homeworld Blue Planet, which is uh, mostly Wait, just a what? prototype. But you can uh, you can sort of smash together some various ships. Uh, it's nowhere near finished, but it's pretty oh, cool. But it's but it's your assets that are in there. Yeah, basically. Okay. Awesome. Sold. Dreadberry in the chat says, then you go to Minecraft. It's like, oh, God, this is getting out of hand. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I should probably wrap up. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to ask uh, me? Uh, well, the, the final thing, because uh, we've already asked so much, and we thank you again for um, coming out, coming, uh, coming out, <laughs> coming to talk to us. Uh, what are the plans for the next uh, installment? Like, What are the next big plans for Blue Planet? Uh, so we work on blue planet when we are moved to and when we have time and uh my next book is way overdue so i've been working on that wait 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 up sell the book what what are you writing sell sell it i mean we're basically promoters so come on (laughs) so my first uh novel was called the traitor baru cormorant it's a fantasy novel we pitched as game of thrones meets guns germs and steel and the story is about a young woman named Baru Cormorant. She lives on an island. A uh, colonizing empire shows up to take over, and she does what any young rebel like Luke Skywalker or uh, Frodo would do when the evil forces move in. She joins the evil forces, decides that she needs to get promoted as high as she can, prove that she's their best operative, and then destroy them from the inside. So uh, it's like if Luke Skywalker went to the Imperial Academy, like he originally planned to. Um, and 
Her life is complicated when, as a test of her loyalty, she's sent to another conquered province and told that in order to get the position she wants to save her own home, she needs to destroy the rebellion there in this other province. And she starts to fall for the woman leading that rebellion. Oh. And I'm working on the sequel now. And you, uh, Milky in the chat says it's really good. So I need you, when, when we're done, to just hit me up with a link for that, like on Amazon or whatever, so I can... Uh promote that so uh um, well, there were there were so many games that you talked about at the beginning and, and it's kind of yeah. like i'm not really familiar with a lot of those so if you could actually just throw us like here's the cheat sheet like all these links because i'm gonna go look at all this stuff wait uh games like like what was well, um i don't know you were, you were talking about um destiny at the beginning was something that you that you'd worked on and it's like well, what destiny oh man oh, destiny you, know, is... you know that destiny uh is there no i the bungee I one. i don't know the bungee one. Oh, that no that's console stuff i don't yeah, know anything about but that's that, that's 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 uh, uh that's okay. bungee's thing yeah i wish that would come to pc because apparently it's a great game but whatever bungee yeah. that's fine don't make myth ever again bungee whatever i'm not bitter <laughs> no but if okay. they did if they if they did make Destiny for PC, then uninstalling it would erase your C drive, like oh. Myth Two Soulblader did. Oh. Uh, so Do I you guess... remember that? No, that never happened to me. Yeah, the, the uninstaller. If you installed it in the C drive, it would actually wipe your C drive because it would oh, kill the folder that was above. Oh no! Instead of yeah, oh it's nasty. Oh, yeah, they no. patched it. Bungie's darkest hour. Yeah. Oh poor. Oh, it's awful. All right, they so they um, learned about the bug right when the game had like gone out and all the like thousands of discs had been pressed and sent oh, to stores. Oh no, I didn't know. This that. was before the age of easy internet patches; they were crushed. <laughs> oh, that's a myth. Two is my favorite of the three, as well. That's uh, awesome. Just don't un- don't ever uninstall it. You'll be fine. That that was actually one of the early Penny Arcade cartoons that got a lot of traction. Actually, maybe maybe it helped put them on the map. So. But but anyway, yeah. Like, what what other games w- were we talking about? Like space stuff at the beginning. Uh, I I can't even remember. I'll have to I'll have to spin the podcast back and listen to I don't, it. I I wrote down the names of games we were talking about, but um, okay. Well, if you got them, that's good. But anyway, um, so basically, folks, um, so basically, right now, Seth, people can find your stuff over at Hardlight, and um. Is that right? That's where basically the the main crux of all your updates and everything. Yeah, the hard light blue planet forums right. are easy to find. Folks, it's hard hyphen light dot net and there'll be a link for that uh in the show notes for the podcast on the website. Um but yeah, hard light uh basically uh if you want this, all you need to do, and I'm gonna have links for this all in the podcast, is you buy free space too, either on Steam or GOG. GOG is a little better. Just FYI, the GOG copy is a little easier to deal with. Um, then go to fsoinstaller.com and just download that little Java applet that they've made. Tell it where your FreeSpace 2 directory is and let it go overnight because it's going to download like about 30, 40 gigs worth of shit. I'm not even kidding. It's a huge amount of stuff. So just let it go overnight. And in the morning, you will have not only... Uh, a bunch of new content to play for Free Space 2 once you finish that. But, like, like Free Space 2 natively can only go up to 1024, right? Or is it yeah. 12? Is it, yeah, 1024. Um, but this the new version the uh, with the media VPs and everything, it's 
full HD, you know, glorious. I run it in 3440. Yeah, it can go even higher. It can go like crazy, crazy. Um, it's, it's, even... perhaps, it's perhaps the only game from the early 2000s that can actually handle 4K. So <laughs> it's 4K it. ready. I believe it. Uh, yeah, so folks, again, with Free Space 2, you're not just buying an amazing game. You're buying a platform for just oodles and oodles of individual missions, fan-made campaigns, multiple campaign mods like this one, uh, Diaspora, which we talked about, which is an amazing Battlestar Galactica mod. Um, so it's just, it, it's really, if you haven't gotten into Free Space 2, God damn it. What do you do when you listen to us? Stop listening right now. <laughs> Go to GOG. Unless you're really into Steam, go to GOG and get Free Space 2 because god damn it. And you don't need a joystick to play it. It plays fine. I know and, a lot and of you don't need Free Space 1 because you can import Free Space 1 in. Oh, it comes I mean the, it, you can play Free Space 1 in the Free Space 2 engine. You can play it with a mouse and keyboard. And I know a lot of people that do. Apparently it's very I've never yep. I've never played it with a mouse and keyboard myself. I've been tempted to. But I, I play just keyboard. Just you can keyboard. play it with a goat. Oh my play it on god. Boat. Just key, not even mouse and keyboard, just keyboard. How is that? Yeah, it's wow. it's fine. So the old multiplayer experts would say that joystick, mouse, and mouse and keyboard were all equally viable. They just had different strengths. Huh. Interesting. Um, oh yeah, and folks, Diaspora. If you want an example of what this engine can also do, thanks, Hetty, for reminding me. Diaspora and Wing Commander Saga are mods slash total conversions of Free Space 2 that don't even need Free Space 2. They are free downloads. Um, so there is so much stuff that's being done with this engine. So head over to hard-light.net. It'll be on, uh, it'll also be a link in the podcast um, on the website, spacegamejunkie.com. And one final note, folks, we have pretty much moved our chat over to, dia- uh, to Diaspora. Yeah, to Discord. We are chatting on Discord now, uh, and it's pretty great, actually. We're actually chatting on Discord right now. Yeah, it's like 10 times more popular than Slack ever was. Yeah, we were using Slack for a while because we like Slack, don't get us wrong, but already, like, out the gate, we have twice, at least twice as many people on Discord that we did on Slack. So uh, you can go to spacegamejunkie.com slash contact, and there's a link for the invite uh, to get onto our Discord channel. Uh, on the bottom of the page. So please stop by and say hello. Uh, it's a pretty popular, um, pretty popular channel. Um, we love talking about not just space games, but games in general. So, uh, Seth, I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. It's late over there. You're in, uh, you're in New York, so you're three hours ahead. Uh, but I want to take yeah, the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. It oh, it's, it's a pleasure. We love, especially me, love talking about Free Space 2. Uh, at any time, <laughs> like day or night, anytime, you can talk about Free Space 2. So, folks, next week on the show, we have a treat. We've been wanting to get these guys on for a while. But uh, finally, we're going to have two of the guys behind Starfighter Inc., and one of them is David Weissman. And and we're finally get to talk to the legendary. Now, if you don't know who David it's Weissman, right, Jim? I'm saying his name correctly. I think so. Westman, Weissman. Um, Jim? Did Jim faint? Did we lose Jim? He's been wanting Jim's to talk right to this here. guy. Okay. So is it yeah. Weissman? No, Dave, it's, it's Westman. 
Westman, I'm sorry. David Westman. You call him Wotan. If, if you don't know David Westman, he worked on these little games back in the 90s. You may have heard of them, X-Wing, TIE Fighter. Yeah. <laughs> X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Yeah, so, so the, funny, the funny trivia was he wrote Darth Vader's dialogue in the TIE Fighter game. And right. Lucas came to him and was like, nah, that shit's too dark, man. You got to like brighten that up a little <laughs> exactly. bit. Exactly. But he also wrote a lot of the missions, if not all of them. And, and so we love him and we hate him. So that's going to be, we, we're going to be talking about Starfighter Inc., their new game. But of course, we're probably is, is also Jack coming along. Yeah. It's both of them. Oh it's my God. Okay. So, so let me tell you about Jack Mamez. Real quick. Um, real quick. He's, he's okay. So he's an instructor at Savannah college of art and design right now teaching video games oh. but he is also the creator of mech warrior 2 mercenaries uh-huh. so which is you in know, my we're opinion, gonna have a good time with that uh, yeah mm-hmm. we're, we're going to talk about their current game a little bit i'm sure maybe for a minute for a few minutes maybe maybe <laughs> 10 15 minutes but then we're going to be like so tie fighter so mech warrior because there's history there that we want to dive into so that's going to be great i'm 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 super excited about talking to those guys. We usually don't get royalty on here. You know what I mean? I know. This is this is like history. I just want to like rub it all over myself. I know. It's it's rare to get royalty on here. So uh so yeah, we're very excited about <clears throat> that. So not that you're not <clears throat> awesome, Seth. Sorry, not that you're not awesome, but you know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> but um but uh Seth, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us. Folks in the chat room Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out and chat. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, we will see you next week. Oh, and on Thursday, we are kicking off um, Scary Game Month because it's October. So uh, on Thursday, we're going to be playing some of the Red Solstice, which is, if you guys haven't played Red Solstice, it's fantastic. Uh, So uh, thank you so much for that. And uh, we'll see you next week with Starfighter Inc. Thanks for watching and listening, everyone. Have a great night. Okay. Let's have some music in here, Boiler. Sure thing. Uh-huh.